What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Taylor Rooks, and this episode, we are out in Seattle with four-time WNBA champion, 12-time WNBA All-Star, five-time Olympic gold medalist, my friend, and Seattle Storm's Sue Bird. We talk about UConn's March Madness run, the Paige Becker's comparisons, all things Coach Gino, and what she's learned from her relationship with Megan Rapino, and much more. Enjoy. Oh, Sue Bird is in the house, which I recently learned it was almost me saying Courtney Bird. Oh, yeah. Your name was on. <laughs> You've done your research. You've done your research. Courtney Bird, like, doesn't even sound right. now. Courtney Elizabeth. Oh, I don't know about that. Courtney Elizabeth. So which parent was Team Courtney? God, that's a good question. I want to say, I actually don't know. I think okay. they were both. It was like a joint. Yeah, a joint almost decision. Oh my gosh, no, I love like how Megan said, you're like, you're Sue to the core, I'm like 100%. Like your yeah. name is Sue Bird, it cannot be- It's one word. Anything else. It's yeah, been one word, yeah. And it's for Sue while. Bridget? Yeah, Bridget. Bird. Yeah. Uh, I love that, yeah, I heard that. I'm like, that's probably the best decision <laughs> your parents ever made in your whole life is making sure that you were Sue Bird and not Courtney Bird. I love it. They love you here in Seattle. <laughs> Like every person that has asked me why I'm in Seattle and I say, I'm here to interview Sue Bird, yeah. they all freak out. <laughs> I mean, do you feel that Seattle love all the time? Um, yeah, they're pretty amazing out here. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like the perfect sports city. They love their sports. It's like a big, small city, big enough where you get good restaurants, you get right, good yeah. shopping, mm -hmm. but small enough where it's like kind of cozy in that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I got to watch the UConn game here know, epic. in my hotel. Okay, what is it like watching a tournament yeah. game <laughs> for UConn with a Sue Bird? Uh, you know, I, I, when I'm in like the privacy of my own home, I definitely get into it. I'm like up and down and over here and over there and jumping and yelling and cheering. Yeah. Uh, my hand actually hurts from Megan's <laughs> high fives. I was like, babe, you got to take your rings off. You're actually, <laughs> it's like starting to hurt because she gets into it. Yeah. And that game was like instant classic. So there was so many highs and lows. Mm -hmm. So as a fan, it was really fun to watch. Forget UConn winning, losing, NC State easily could have won that just as like a fan that was such a great game yeah because that yeah. was the thing about that game and I said it was like UConn played great NC State played great but then we just ran out of time ran out of time I mean it was just UConn happened to outlast them Paige Beckers is so good <laughs> what do you see when you look at Paige um god I see like an endless ceiling just like literally definition of sky's the limit because she's clearly talented right? She definitely has that like clutch gene, you know, games on the line, doesn't care, just goes out. Although in regulation, I was like, Paige, go get the ball. Yeah. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody else felt that way. <laughs> and then luckily she turned it on yeah. um, in overtime. But yeah, she has like all of those things that I feel like a lot of us athletes get asked about. Like, how so? How does one get the clutch gene? Or how does one, you know, thrive yeah. in late game situations? Mm -hmm. There's really no answer. Sometimes it's either you have it or you don't. Yeah. And she has it. But obviously she's young. So that's why I say that about the ceiling. Like the ceiling is the roof, you know? Totally. <laughs> that's it. Shout out MJ. Uh, but no, I agree. That's the thing with her. It is so innate. And when you think about that game and, you know, some others, the only thing that for her probably working on is just, I'm the person that has to take over. Mm -hmm. And like her kind of realizing it, because that's what I thought when I watched the game too. Like, this is the moment you have to go be Paige. And she did it, but she did it eventually. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I, I do, I mean, you have to give her credit too. Like mm -hmm. had mid-season surgery, 
trying to get her everything, like her mojo, her vibe, her health back. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not an easy moment. So hopefully, hopefully this kind of propels her for Mm -hmm. the final four, because that's not going to be an easy game. Yeah. And and Dorka with her wrist. That was disgusting. Oh, my God. That was tough. Yeah. So that's going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. So they're going to need everybody to to step up. And Paige, like I said, hopefully this sets her off. Mm-hmm. What does Paige do better than you? Better oh than God, that probably everything. you. Yeah. <laughs> you and me. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we're totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, um, honestly, if I were to pick one thing, her confidence is just crazy. And it's not that I'm not confident, mm-hmm. but I think all, like all athletes at different points can struggle with that. It's, it's, it's very commonplace. Whereas she feels she's more similar to Diana in that way. And I'm not comparing them, but that's like something I see similar. It's just this, this, this confidence that comes from, comes from what comes from doing it or you just have it, but it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like this swag. Yes. They're unfazed. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting to hear you talk about confidence and you say that is a thing that like you have struggled with Mm -hmm. and athletes struggle with. Of course. What, give me an example of what you mean by that. (laughs) I mean, I think, oh God, like a stupid one would just be, um, you know, you have some players go into games and whether they make their first shot, make their, you know, first five shots or miss their first 10, they just keep going. They keep shooting. They have, they are unfazed, like you just said, doesn't bother them. I internalize some of that, right? So if I come out, this is, this is hopefully not as much now, but definitely when I was younger, like if I come out, miss a few shots, I might be a little more, you know, tentative, Maybe I had a couple turnovers. I might be a little more careful. Mm. I don't have like that just blind confidence. Yeah. Like I definitely internalize mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you get better at that? <sighs> Million dollar question. <laughs> yeah. um, I do feel really lucky that the way Coach Ariyama coaches you in college, um, he essentially sets you up to fail at all times. So the more times you beat him, the more times you beat the drill, whatever's happening in practice, um, that's where like that internal confidence comes from. And I think what happened over time for me is I kind of have found this place I can rest in, if you will, this space of like law of averages almost, Mm -hmm. you know, like, listen, you've you've done it. You've proved it. Clearly you're good at this, you know, like (laughs) just rest easy in that. Mm -hmm. Like it'll, it'll turn around. Absolutely. And of course, if you're thinking about it, that's already a bad sign. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of train yourself to just put all your, you know, for lack of a better, all your eggs in the basket of, I already prepared for this. I'm ready. Yeah. So even if you mess up a little, you're still prepared. Yeah. Like everything that I need is already in me because I have done it time. Yeah. And you got to trust that. Yeah. So it's really about trusting that. Yeah. Mm You know, Coach Oriema is clearly like a huge basketball inspiration for you. He's probably molded a lot of the things that you think, you know, about about the game. He's a fascinating person to me because it feels like there is a very wide range of opinions (laughs) on Coach Oriema. So I I have a bunch of questions about him. But what I first want to say is with the obvious disclaimer that he is someone that you love and has been major in your in your basketball career. When you were in college, mm-hmm. did you like him? <laughs> <laughs> it's a love hate. I mean, yeah. it's. I feel like everybody with their college coach has these moments. Um, he just he push. He's a pusher, mm-hmm. and he really he he put he pushes you to places that you didn't know existed. Um, but but that's when you figure out what you're made of, and so it's hard to hate it, you know. But in the moment, yeah, of course, we always yeah. joke like. Mm-hmm. 
We'd go to practice. It's like the worst, you know, two, three, four hours of your life. And then you go back to the dorm room and talk shit. Yeah. Like that's what, and then, and it's funny because we've, you know, obviously you get older, your relationship with your college coach changes because mm-hmm. you're now adults. And we've joked with him a ton. Like, listen, just so you know, like all we did for four years was talk shit about you yeah. behind your back in our dorm room. And at the same time, I look at him and I'm like, and we know all you did in the coaches meetings was talk shit about us mm-hmm. after every single day. So <laughs> We're on the same page here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. So it was, it was a love, hate, and you understood that all the things he was doing was to make a better team. Absolutely. Better player and the things like that. But it wasn't easy. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't easy. Because it feels like in a lot of ways, you are almost mentally getting beat down (laughs) there. I mean, is that accurate to say? Not far off. Yeah. Not far off. (laughs) Um, But you know, it's like, listen, the stories that you know, are fun to tell, the memories that all of us, I, when I say we, by the way, I'm usually referring to like my class, yeah. right? Like my generation, maybe like some teams I played on, but the same goes if I'm sitting in a room with Jen Rosati or if I'm sitting in a room with Renee Montgomery, like we all kind of have this shared language mm-hmm. and the best stories are the ones where like someone got, you know, yelled at, somebody cried, somebody threw up, like those are the best ones. <laughs> but for every one of those, and I have a great swim one if we have time later. But for every we one have of time those, after you say this, <laughs> um, she'll kill me. For every one of those, yeah. there's, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten stories where, you know, something happened where he lifted you up or he had your back. I mean, one stupid one was I parked my car in front of my dorm. Like we lived in these apartments my senior year, and I parked my car in a handicapped spot by accident. Like, who knows? I just wasn't thinking. Yeah. And we go on the road. And it was like, get a phone call. Your car's in this handicap. We're, we're towing it. And like, I don't even know what happened. All I know is when I got back, he handled it. Like the school, ha- like the coaching staff handled it. And my, my, my car was in the spot next, next to the to handicap. It. Yeah. He just like, <laughs> boop, boop, took care of it. Yeah. You know? So it's like, there's moments like that. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's, it's not even a balance. There's more good than bad. Okay. Because I, I remember hearing you talk about a time you were there and he calls you in the office and he's like, Every bad thing that happens on the court is your fault. Mm-hmm. Every good thing that happens is your fault, but every bad thing, if this person like, messes no, the up. the good thing, I didn't get credit for the good no, thing. Oh, just the bad thing. Just the bad thing. <laughs> like, if this person messes up, if you're not even on the court, like, it's on you. Yeah. And I would think for a college player, that is an immense amount of pressure. Yes and no. So looking back, like, in the moment, I, I really didn't get it like in the moment, in the exact moment. I was like, what is he talking about? That makes no sense. How is this my fault, you know? Yeah. But now I totally understand that he, so what he's amazing at, and I joke with this, I joke about this with him as well. Like, I'm like, you're not the best sexes and O's. I was like, but what he's amazing <laughs> at, like truly amazing at is understanding people, understanding his players and understanding how to get the best out of them. And it changes from player to player. And he bobs and weaves with that, like mm-hmm. better than anyone I've ever seen. So I think when he saw me or knew, started to get to know me, he saw a player that had that ability to kind of juggle all of that on the floor and kind mm-hmm. of have uh, my hands, my fingerprints on everyone and everything. I think he saw that in me. And so he that was him challenging me in a way to bring that out because I do have a little bit of a like shyer personality, especially when I was younger. So I always joke, not joke, I always say it's like I'm a 
dip my toe in the water kind of person. Like, let me see what's going on over here. Yeah. And then <laughs> feel I'll, it out. Exactly. Yeah. And he was basically trying to like speed up that process. Yeah. He's like, and no, so, you actually have to jump it. in the pool. Yep. Like we don't have time for you to yeah, do it. Was like We're the, trying to win championships. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, we don't okay. have time. I that's got four fair. years. That's it. <laughs> no, that's fair. It's just there really is, you know, there's the 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 group of people that feel like, okay, is the way he's coaching people healthy? Like, is it a good way for you to talk to people, you know, mentally? Can mm-hmm. you overcome maybe this this environment of w- what can feel like a pressure cooker? Yeah. But it's always interesting because everybody that leaves UConn is like, well, he changed my life yeah. and he made me, you know, a good player. So I feel like there's maybe some things that are misunderstood about it because we are just seeing, you know, the press conferences or, yeah. you know, what he says after a game, Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, those make me cringe sometimes too. Yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah. but I know him and I understand there's a method to the madness. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I would say at the same time, like times have changed. People have changed. Kids are different. Mm-hmm. It is like a, di- and that's not a bad thing, right? I see it in my WNBA experience. Yeah. Like I'm 41 now. So every draft class that comes in, who's, you know, they're going to be 21. I've, I've seen it for the last like four or five years where it's like a little different. And mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, there comes a point, I think, with anyone who is a leader in any position where you start to see what's going around. Like, do you adjust? You know, do you stick with what's always worked? It's. I think it's a tough question as a leader. Totally. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's thinking about those things. Yeah, and it's probably hard when you are a proven winner. Yeah, And it's worked. Yeah, you're like, well, I know that this thing that I'm doing that you might have an issue with mm-hmm. has got me all these championships. Right. And it's sometimes it's hard to tell somebody that because mm-hmm. they are like, no, 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 you don't know what you're talking about yeah. because I'm the winner. <laughs> and I, I can see both sides of that. Um, one more topic on him before we wrap up the, sure. the, the Gino conversation. You My know, Candace Parker noisy. was on I'm the sorry. show. It's okay. Like, Great fit. <laughs> noisy pants. <laughs> um, you know, Candace Parker was on the show. Yeah. And she talked about her experience with Gino and the Olympic team mm-hmm. and essentially saying that she felt like she didn't make the team because her and Gino did not get along. Mm-hmm. What was your reaction to that clip, if you if you saw that? Yeah, no, I saw it. Um, man, it's, it's a tough one. Um, it's tough. I mean, I think if I'm Candace, because obviously I was present for all the things, right? Whether it's the, you know, training camp where she balled out and got MVP, I was there. Yeah. Um, I was with her. Um, they do like a... NBC kind of like huge media day. Mm-hmm. I was there with her for that, you know? Yeah. And that's like, when you go to that, you're like kind of like, okay, they must think I'm on the team. Yeah. So, and then I was, I texted her when when they did announce the team, I texted her right away. Like, I don't remember what I said, but I just, I just knew, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. And I think it's one of these things where it's like, if I put my Candace hat on, I could probably sit here and and tell you that she should have been on the team. And then I could probably put my USA basketball hat on and be like, okay, I understand why this happened. Mm-hmm. So that is the difficult part with our national team. It's oh, It happened with NECA this year. Mm-hmm. It's always going to happen because we have that many good players. Mm-hmm. It's always going to happen. As far as the Coach Ariema piece, I mean, he's the coach. He's not on the committee. And it's like, I, as an athlete who has been on the team and who has been selected by the committee – I want to believe that the committee makes these decisions. It's almost like when you like have to believe in a system, mm-hmm. like I ha- I'm choosing to believe in that system. Yeah. And I'm choosing to believe that it's working because we're winning. Simultaneously, 
yeah, I mean, there's people throughout the years that have been snubbed that are my friends and it's not easy. Mm -hmm. So it's like all these, it's like one of those scenarios. And I think we're finding this a lot in our society where like all things are true. Yeah. Where there is like some potential nuance of the situation. Yeah, all things are true. it's not so black and white. Would you, I guess, understand the perspective of somebody who believes that there is some sort of favoritism that is shown? For the UConn players? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I always, so Megan and I talk about this a lot. The yeah. UConn bias, um, trying to get to the bottom of it. And it's, it's, she gives me an ama- amazing perspective. Um, so what's very difficult as a UConn player is, I think immediately when you're asked about this, whether it's the Olympic team and making that, um, whether it's media coverage bias that a lot of people talk about nowadays, immediately as a player, you think back to these four years where you busted your ass. And you're kind of like, we won because because we won. Like the games are the games are the games, mm-hmm. right? And the Maya Moores, the Diana Tarazis, the Brianna Stewart's. I mean, think of these names I'm saying. Yeah. These are like, I I could have potentially yeah. just named the top three players of all time. Totally. Right? Of course, you can throw in many names to that. I'm not leaving anybody out. I'm just saying. Yeah. They're at like the tippy top. So, like I said, from a player's perspective, it's, it's hard to, to understand. And I think you can also take a step back and understand that because UConn has been successful, people are going to, I was going to say shine a light on that. I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to explain it, but Mm -hmm. it's going to be covered more. It's going to be, and I see where that's like hard for a lot of people. And I see where probably annoying. Yeah, I'm sure it's annoying. I mean, yeah, I see it. But like at the same time, I'm like, it's the best team. They've been, forget that I'm UConn for a second. Like it's the best team. Mm -hmm. They've been winning. I mean, the, the, the amount of winning, yeah. It's really hard to argue that. And I think the same goes for the players that have been on the Olympic team. Yeah. It's really hard to argue these names. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. they're they're all-time greats. Yeah. That's fair. And I, I like this because I think whenever there is a topic like this, it is important to get all the perspectives. You oh, know, yeah. the, the way that you see it is going to be different than the way that Candace sees it or Gino or another UConn player, non-UConn player. Mm-hmm. And all of those matter to fully understand, like, the scope of the topic. So I, I think that that really is I know. It's, like, true. very politically correct, I feel like, what I said. But at mm-hmm. the same time, like, it's, I like I said, I think when I, I'm, like, I think about my four years and I'm, like, I mean, I, we all were like we all busted our ass to win those championships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to like. Do you think that there is fix isn't the right word, but do you think that there is a way for there to be more of a I don't know a confidence or transparency in what happens with Team USA because it seems like there are a number of players that have some sort of issue with how it works. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's like I mean I really don't know. There's twelve spots. Yeah. And a lot so, of good players. Yeah. From a transparency standpoint, I'd have to think about it because I don't know, like, I mean, the, the, the one thing maybe you could say is do you have more people on the committee, right? More people. I don't know who those people would be, but like, is that the answer? Is it too small? Is it too, you know, I, I, I'm like, I really don't know because the, do you want to know what the answer to all of this is? Yeah. Um, so Megan uses this kiddie pool analogy. It's kind of, it's basically like what we've talked about historically with like women and opportunity. And we've always said like this pie and we're only getting this small piece of the pie. And the truth is, it's like in a lot of these conversations, the problem isn't that player X from UConn is getting more attention than player Y from another school. The problem is all of us aren't getting enough attention. 
We all, it's like mm. the, the opportunity for the attention, the coverage isn't big enough. So we're all fighting and clawing yeah. for the one article, for the one, you know, I don't know, story for the one. And so it feels like we're competing with each other. The actual, so Megan says kiddie pool, because we're all over there fighting in the kiddie pool, trying to like play with the one toy. And there's this whole ocean. Yeah. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. The problem is we need to get into that ocean. So what this doesn't solve is the fact that there's 12 roster spots. Because the answer is, oh, we need 15. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know I mean? think that's a really good way to put it. The, the problem in a lot of ways is the system. Yes. And since we are all kind of living within the system, you think that the problem is each other. And really, you're just competitive, trying yeah. to make it work. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no, we that's We need, a, like, more. Yeah. The answer is actually more. It's not that, and this is, it's not that, you know, I'm trying to use some good names. It's not that <laughs> um, Diana Taurasi gets too much coverage, right? It's that Simone Augustus didn't get enough. But it doesn't have to take from D. She deserves that, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't have to take from Elena Deladon. She deserves it. It doesn't have to take from Asia Wilson. She deserves it. Mm -hmm. It's just that there's players, this, 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 and this, that also do, but there's not enough and we need more. Yeah. Okay. No, t that totally makes sense because okay. there's no one, there's not one person on the planet that is seriously being like, LeBron James has done too many interviews. Right. No, nobody says it's about the men. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's because it's like there's endless places. So nobody feels like the reason he's getting it is because he's him and there's not enough. It's like, it's all so there that it's not an issue. Right. That is a, I think that's a really good way to put it. And it, that was very striking to me. So I hope that people watching feel like that is true. I think that's what true. we're fighting for yeah. right now, to be honest. Yeah. That's usually like what's playing in my head, just in any conversation or interview or whatever. That's like, that's the goal. So do you, and again, because this is a system that exists, it's not you specifically. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel guilty about the coverage that you get? Um, sometimes it's like, I don't know if guilt is the right word. Um, because in women's basketball, there's, there's so many variables um, that come into play outside of the sport, race being a big one, mm -hmm. um, looks being another one, mm -hmm. right? Um, maybe it's, I don't know, a huge Instagram following, but you didn't even make a team or something like that, right? right? Mm -hmm. like, like a huge social media, but... So there's all these things that, that kind of like swirl in women's sports that don't either don't swirl the same in men's sports or what you just said, because there's endless opportunities. Yeah. It can swirl. It doesn't matter. Everyone eats. Totally. Right? So it's, 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 it's an interesting guilt. Some, it's like there's a sprinkle of guilt and it's more just having that moment where you kind of take a step back, you look at what you're receiving Right. And you're kind of like, okay, not about, it's not necessarily about deserving or not deserving. I feel like my career does speak for itself in a lot of ways, but also, okay, is this because I'm white? Or also, is it okay because I quote unquote look like the girl next door? Mm -hmm. Or so, you know, like, like those questions pop up. And the reality is, this is where I can use the platform. This is where I can use my voice. This is where yeah. I can help create more opportunities. So everybody eats for lack yeah, of a better. Absolutely. Know. And I mean, it's also really important to say that so much of the platform that you have has been used not to shine light on you, but to shine light on everybody else. You know, whether that's together and you're giving oh, stories yeah. to all girls and women that are playing sports, whether it's using your voice to talk about Black Lives Matter or equal pay or like anything like that. 
you have used all the attention that you get to bring attention to others that that need it too. But yeah, I, I do think that's interesting because, you know, sometimes you'll see people talk about the coverage of women's sports and they'll say, okay, well, you know, well, we only care about Sue Bird. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But I also... I'm like, who says that? You know, <laughs> but I also understand why. Like, I don't think that that's wrong. It just goes back to what you're saying about there should be more so that there is the room to care about every single person because right. everyone has a really important story and they're bringing something, yeah. you know, to the table. And no, more than that, it's that... I think it's important that you even have that awareness that maybe there are these other things that are lending to it. Oh, too. yeah. I mean... Yeah. You ha- I mean, how do you not? Yeah. 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 What I was going to say, the complicated part is um, the fact that we all have bias and kind of trying to sort through where that comes from or why it's there or, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like even a fan. So like trying to understand. So it's just, I don't know. How do you dismantle anything? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a slow, long burn of a grind. Yeah. But at the same time, what gives me hope is kind of what's happened in the last couple of years in women's basketball. Just, it feels like it feels, usually I'm just like, oh yeah, we turned a corner. I'm like, it's been a pretty dramatic corner yeah. in a good way. Totally. In a very I good agree. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. that's like, there's hope. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hope. Yeah. And like, I'm only saying, cause you brought it up, but together is like, that's where I'm, I feel like I can't wait to be, once I do eventually retire, I feel like I can pour so much more into that. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited for that mm-hmm. because a, it's just like fun to be yeah. able to to tell these stories and just find out about the stories themselves, you know? Because mm-hmm. even for me, it's like, it's almost like this like unveiling of sorts where you're pulling back these curtains and you're like, oh, dang, like this mm-hmm. is, a, you know? And so I'm really excited because I know that can be an extension of the sharing the platform and shining yeah. lights and things like that. No, I love Together. If you're watching and you don't follow yeah. it, go follow. I think the <laughs> storytelling such is an amazing great. Job. Yeah, I mean, shine the people a, were, ugh, Yeah, shine a so light good. on so many things. And you learn. Like, I yeah. learn about really interesting and cool, fun athletes. Um, and this is something that you and I have talked about before, but Together is really good at this. Not every single time we talk to a woman, we have to talk about the fact that they're a woman. Like, Thank you. <laughs> it's wild that this is the thing that have. I mean, for every woman that is doing something that a lot of men do, I don't like using the term male dominated because I don't necessarily think it's male dominated as much. I just think there's a lot of men. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you don't have to only talk to women about the fact that they're women or how hard it is to be a woman or they've overcome as a woman. Totally. And <laughs> it's important for content that that includes women to be about what they do. Yeah. Right? And so I just really commend Together uh, for doing that too. Yeah. But how has that idea kind of manifested itself in your life, and your career? Um, in terms of... Like only being seen as a seen woman. As a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it can, it's a little bit of an uphill battle at times. So there's a this balance you have to strike between you do need to talk about some of these things, right? So like, I do need to talk about some of these issues that women face, that women in the WNBA face, female athletes face. And then I, I actually think because sports mirrors life and vice versa so so much, we're, we're even though I'm talking about athletes, like I'm talking about all women. Yeah. I'm talking about all women in the workplace, like all women everywhere. So there are things because... Um, like the NCAA tournament with, with Sedona Prince and showing the weight room. If you know that story, if you don't know that story, you have like, you're probably under a rock. Yeah. So I'm not even going to explain it. But what was so fascinating to me about that was we all like know this or knew this. Every one of us has experienced that moment where you're like, oh, the men got that. 
and we didn't. Mm -hmm. And yet it just took her saying it. So the lesson there is you have to say it. Even Mm -hmm. if it's hard, even if it's uncomfortable, you have to. Yeah. So the balance is you have to say it. You have to tell people these stories because they like literally just don't know. True. Now, Mm -hmm. the reasons why they don't know are the problem, Mm -hmm. right? Like how society is set up, I guess, if you want to say like that. But then there is this other side where it's like, I want to come on a podcast and I want to, or a show, and I want to talk about some fun stuff. Yeah. Right? Because it's not, I'm not like just this woman grinding away all the time. Like (laughs) I do fun (laughs) shit too, you know? And I have funny stories. And like, you want to just be able to, and when I watch men or male athletes do these types of shows um, where they're, where they're really just more so talking about like, tell me about your, your life. It's never about it. They always get to have the fun stuff. Happen. Mm-hmm. They always get to have the fun conversations. Yeah. You know, maybe they're talking about their favorite wine. It's like, sometimes I'll go on different interviews and it's like that, that's, it's never going to go to that place. Right. And I, 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 I exit those interviews feeling like exhausted almost, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll get there and it is getting there. I think we're just part of this generation where we have to do both. For sure. And you're right. It is like this double-edged sword of like, okay, it's important for women to, you know, inspire other women, right, that want to do it, to have them understand what it's like and talking about it from the scope of being a woman. But there's also something to be said about always being seen as a woman first and what you do second. Mm -hmm. Because you work hard to be in the space because you are a world-class athlete, you know? And everything that surrounds the coverage of female athletes is either about them being female or it's about them, like, inspiring little girls, which both are important. Right. But... Women don't exist in the space in the service of others. And there's always this very weird line that's like teetered. Yeah. There's also like, well, you can inspire little boys too. That is my, th- that's like my new, not new. Yeah. That's been like my kick for a while yeah. where I'm like, of course I want little girls to see all of us and be like, I could be, oh, I could be like her. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I want little boys to be like, oh, this is normal. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Like women in these positions of power or women's succeeding on the basketball court or in soccer, whatever it is like, oh, that's normal. Yeah. You know, like this isn't, they're not having to at 18 learn about it. It's like they grew up with it. And yeah, yeah I'm still toying. I was like, I did some speaking thing where I was like, little girls get to see it, be it. And little boys get to see it. And I keep saying respect it. I don't know. I'm toying with this. Oh, like what's the I right like word? A good, yeah. Like yeah. see it, be it, see it. Mm. So Ooh, we got to workshop that. Yeah, we got to figure that out. Yeah, because yeah. that's that's true. <laughs> I, I read this book by an author named K.S.A. Lehman, and in it, he talks about how representation actually works both ways. Mm-hmm. Like, and his example was with Black people saying, you know, the thing that happens is you can turn on a bunch of different shows and see varying experiences of white people. Mm-hmm. But if a person can only see, like, Black athletes or Black rappers, they have to actually see something else to say, oh, this isn't just it. So you're not just representing black people to black people. You're representing black people to non-black people too. Yeah, that makes total sense. You know, it's that same thing, I think, for for what you're talking about as well. I think eventually that will happen. Like we'll get there eventually. But (laughs) The five-year-olds will become (laughs) 25-year-olds making decisions. Perfect. That's the hope. (laughs) That's the hope. And it's one of the reasons I really love the commercials that you do, specifically the one with Stephen Curry, because you are presented as the standard. Right in that commercial. And we don't see that a lot of time. What went into deciding to do that one specifically? Oh, I mean, it was a, I saw the script and I was like, yep. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of times they show you the script beforehand. Obviously you have to like approve it. And if it's yeah. something wild, you can change it to that. And I was like, nope, perfect. Let's go. Yeah. I'm in. I know. 
Thanks, Steph. Yeah, yeah. like I'm not the great. token here. I'm it. Yeah. Like I am who they're, even, you know, on, on the island, it's like, well, my blue is greater. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all that's important. I love any super commercial that is about suing the best. <laughs> keep doing, keep I doing I love those. them because they're funny. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why to me, if like you can, usually humor works in these wonderful ways anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's like, for me, if you are presenting the female athlete as the standard, like you said, but you're kind of doing it in this like fun, cheeky way. First of all, it's going to be memorable Mm -hmm. because you laughed. And second of all, it's probably going to stick and get the point across even more so. So I love that all of these have had this like humorous bent to them. Yeah. And I hope it challenges people to realize uh, men are always the default. Yes. And that has to change. You know, women are not like the the shoot off of man. It's like there's women and men, you know, it's not like everything starts with men at the center. And if you're not that, you're just adjacent to it. It's like, these are two separate things that are, that are equally as important. I wanted to ask NBA players if they had any question for you or wanted advice from you. (laughs) They all said yes. So I have a couple questions from some NBA players for you. All right, first up, Kevin Love. Kevin Love says, I'm curious, with Sue being the greatest of all time, how her approach to the game overall has changed from when she came out of UConn until now. Oh, dramatically. Um, I think with each, like, phase of my career, there's been something I've had to change. Um, But in the first, like, 10 to 15 years, I didn't really know it. So there was definitely a point, let's call it before it's somewhere between like the eight, nine, 10 year range of my career where like I needed to change, but I didn't know it. And so I kind of plateaued a little bit Mm. and it took some surgeries. I had this period of time where I had like three different surgeries in the span of a year. And that was the first time where like the physical really needed work, like my, like literally my body of work needed work. Um, and it was in that moment where I was like, oh, I should have done this like four years ago. I should have changed my diet. I should have worked out different. And I think, so my point is like now the approach is all about preparation Mm. and that what falls under that is, making sure I'm healthy. So all the things that fall under that, some of them I just named. Um, Cause to me, you can't, you can't perform at the highest levels if something's off. Totally. Now, obviously injuries come in, like some things are out of your control, but like that has to be the priority for me anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with that, what that allows me to do, once those boxes are checked, now I can let what is really like the key to my game and the key to me as a player. And that's like just letting my instincts take over, letting my mind kind of do its thing, right? Like using my brain out there, being the point guard, because I know the physical is there. I can rely on that. So that's like my approach used to be like nothing. (laughs) Like I was just going out there (laughs) and waiting. Yeah, I just got to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So now I'm like, oh, when this is good, like when this body is good and I've taken care of it, that's actually, to be honest, that's where all my confidence comes from. That's the best way to frame it. Really? Yeah. When I can go out there and run around and like cut and move and this and that and not have to think about it, then I know I can actually play the game. Mm. And some of that has to do with my age and like, you know, where I'm at. So it's it's not the same answer at, you know, 25, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But yeah, my approach now is like all about making sure I'm checking those boxes yeah. to, so I feel physically good. It's interesting though, because to me, 
what I'm thinking is you talking about having to deal with confidence, but what you're describing is actually, no, I already trust everything up here. Oh yeah, that's not a problem. Yeah, everything here is the completely confident, right? <laughs> I can go out there and do that anytime, any day, but I need to make sure this is in check so that yeah. that can perform at the level that, that yeah. it needs to. I got... I got home from the Olympics this past year and, you know, the Olympics is a little bit of a grind because it's a lot of games. It's not a lot of time together. So it's like very stressful. Mm -hmm. It's obviously it's, if you don't win a gold medal, uh, God, I mean, yeah. uh, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very stressful. So I got back from the Olympics and I think some of it was just like fatigue. Like mm -hmm. I was tired mentally, physically, but that last part of the season, I felt my body go a little bit. And I think that's actually why, I'm sure we'll get to retirement in a second. I think that's we actually will. why <laughs> um, at the end of the season, why the fans chanting one more year really got me because I was really thinking about it. Like that, that I think it was like a month. That month, I physically didn't feel good. So it was like, if I'm physically not feeling good, uh, I got nothing. I, I'm, not, I'm, gonna, I'm not helping anybody, you know? Um, which is the case for a lot of people. So yeah. it's, not, it's not special to me, but that was really when the retirement question first started entering my mind because I was just not, things were just off. And it was kind of like, oh, I feel like when you're 40, it's safe to ask yourself like, oh, is this who I am now? Totally. Like, is this who I am physically? Mm -hmm. um, and that led to a conversation that I had with my trainer in the off season that I'm sure we can- Okay, oh, trust me, there's a whole retirement bucket. Okay, we'll get so there. all of these will be- <laughs> Well, we asked, but before I get to the next question from a player, okay. you say I was really thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, like, quantify that for me. Like, what does that mean? I went into that. Okay, so this is like everyone, but athletes can compartmentalize. Like, pfft, nobody's like, like, we're amazing. We're, we're like literally experts at it. Yeah. Okay. I was walking into that arena thinking, not knowing, thinking it was my last game when we played Phoenix in those playoffs. I was like, Good chance. There was a moment, probably we were down. It was it was a back and forth game ish, but they definitely had the lead. And there was a moment where I was like, hey, let's call it early in the first uh, second half, where I was kind of like, this might be your last half, so let's fucking go. You know, like I actually yeah. thought that to myself. Um, so that's that's I think that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, like the, you close. were. Yeah, it was there. It, it was, was right, right there. Wow. Yeah, I think I was just really tired. Well, what's crazy about that story is. Like the fans yeah, literally yeah. brought you back. I know. Because you were right there. Wild. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. So much more to discuss okay, with that. Okay. But <laughs> I feel like these guys will kill me if I don't get to their questions. Um, okay. So DeMar DeRozan, you somewhat answered this. DeMar went into know, as you get older playing, what do you do to keep yourself physically and mentally ready to keep going? Did you change your off-season workouts, oh, yeah. your nutrition? You kind of answered the first part, but did yeah. you change anything with nutrition? All of it. All of the above. Yeah. Um, hired a nutritionist. Honestly, the, the one thing, Stewie, Brianna Stewart came to me after her second year, maybe. Yeah. After her second year. And she was like, if you were my age, what's the one thing you would have changed? And I was like, I would have hired boop, 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 boop. And I would have gotten my workouts, my nutrition, all the things, all the things I would have done that from day one. I think if the sooner you do it, the better when you're younger, you think you can like get away with, cause you can, Yeah. <laughs> but why not start now? Like why not start then and build? But as the older player, one thing I would add to maybe like give DeMar like an actual answer is less is more when you get older, mm. less is more. I feel like once you have in your own mind established like 
what kinds of, you know, workouts, let's use that as an example, what kinds of workouts you need to be ready. At some point you have to have a conversation because it's probably, as you get older, it's probably too much on your body. Mm. And you have to figure out that balance. So like today, today I went to the gym and I have like a clock and I'm like, start. And today I shot for it. Actually today was like a longer day and it was an hour, but I very rarely go over an hour on the court. Very rarely, Mm -hmm. very rarely. (laughs) And I (laughs) I don't know if you caught that, but very rarely. (laughs) And even that, like, okay. So sidebar training camps in like very soon. It's in a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm in like full on ready for training camp. So the answer to this now is different from a month ago. But if I answered a month ago, I'm only on the court two, maybe three times a week. Mm. And like I said, very rarely do yeah. I go <laughs> over an hour. Yeah. So less is more. Now you have to be, you want to be efficient. You need to figure out, like, and ask yourself, what things do I need to get done to feel confident in my game? And then try to get those done in an efficient way. So you feel good, you feel confident, you feel prepared. Like you check those things on that, on that list, mm-hmm. but you're not overdoing it on your body. Yeah. Because the, 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 the whole thing is being as fresh as possible for when the season comes. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I think understanding your limit is an underrated skill. Oh, yeah. Just in general. Yeah. People think they can do everything, mm-hmm. but everything in moderation, even yeah. moderation. <laughs> well, okay. we all think we're like 21. In yeah. Our people will be like, oh. I am still 21, actually. So. <laughs> people will be like, oh, you ran track in, in like, you know, high school? Like, yeah. oh, like, or how fast could you run, you know, a mile? And I give the answer I ran in, when I was 21. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, sub six. Yeah, sub years five. ago. You know, yeah. I'm like, meanwhile, I wouldn't be able to smell that now. <laughs> all right, next question. Got one from John Morant. He said, when she watches film, is she focusing on the stuff that she does well or her mistakes? Both, both. Probably more mistakes than well. I feel like if you're doing something well, you, you already know that one. Yeah. The mistakes, there's learning to be had. Yeah. But I'll be honest, when I watch film, most times I'm watching how the other team is guarding us more than anything. Mm, okay. That's where I like confine moments to steal possessions. But how did the way you watch film change as you progress in your career? Oh, um, yeah. Early on, I really didn't watch a lot. It wasn't like really? a thing. Like yeah, I was yeah. just going out there. Kind of. Like, no, no, we watched it with our team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, no, I didn't go back to my, no. I mean, Synergy and all these fancy things didn't exist where you can like just type in stuff and go watch it. Yeah. So I was probably, I wasn't going to like, you know, watch a VHS, dating myself a little <laughs> bit. Um, but yeah, I would say it was probably around 2010. We had an assistant, Jenny Busek, who's actually in the NBA with the Pacers. And we were going into our playoff run. And that was the first time I ever sat down this was with somebody. Now I do it by myself and watched the games. And it was like, oh, we can kill them running that. And we can beat them running this. And this mm-hmm. is how they're guarding that. So let's do this and all those things. And then I would make that like mental list. Sometimes I'd write it down, actually keep it in my locker so I could like refer to it. And it was like, if I can steal two, three possessions a game by just using what they're doing against them, that's six points. That's a, that's a win. Yeah. Yeah. And that I have, I've taken that with me since then. Okay. No, I love that. Shout out to Jaw. Good question. Um, all right. Devin Booker, he goes, okay, Taylor. So I know it's off topic, but I got to know because she stays clean. <laughs> Who is your inspiration for style? For style? <laughs> I mean, I don't not like all his shit on leak fits. I'll yeah. be like, oops, safe. I'm like, <laughs> I I pull from a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, because I definitely like to dress in a way where I feel comfortable, I feel good. And so if it's 
like a woman who I see, boop. If it's a dude, boop. Like mm-hmm. I save on Instagram constantly. So I'm always just swiping and looking. Devin, I for sure, like I said, saved your pictures. And it really just depends. It's like what jumps out and speaks to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love one of my favorite stylists is Courtney Mays. Okay. Oh, I love Courtney. And she does Chris Paul a yeah. lot. She does a lot of DeAndre Jordan. But so Chris, every time, I mean, Chris, when he comes in, I'm like, Stellar. So good. Yeah. So good. So yeah, I don't have, I wish I had this like one inspo. It's usually just like pulling from different people. And and I mean, shout out to Megan. <laughs> She's, um, she helps me, but more than anything, what she did was like open my eyes to the possibility of finding your own style. Mm-hmm. That's doesn't have to be necessarily like anybody else's. Yeah. Yeah. And I it's mean, like what fits you. I feel this way about how Megan dresses. Like she has a distinct yeah. style, but I feel that way like about Devin Booker too. Oh yeah. He definitely does. Like you yeah. see something and think that's something Devin Booker would wear. Yeah. You know, which <laughs> totally. I'm like, that's a feat to really have like your own very distinct yes. kind of calling card for style. Yeah, so start, that was. Start with some chucks. Yes. And then you're and on the your little, way. The pants, you yeah. know, little, you know no, I, they weren't, they're not called like high waters, but you know how they're a little yeah, higher. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. Killing it, Devin. Crap. Yes. Okay. Fred Van Bleed. I was like, this is a good question. He said three keys to making it to 20 years. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> okay. So one key is what we've already said, which is the whole like nutrition, taking care of yourself. It's, it's just like beyond important. Yeah. Um, low key, I want to be like good genes. I do feel like some of it's luck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like some of it is... Because I've had some serious injuries and like I've been able to bounce back. So some of it is luck. I know that's a crappy key, but some of it is that. Um, I do think you have to be able to adapt and adjust. So, and this is probably the most important, to be honest. I can't do what I did as a younger player. I just physically cannot move in those ways. I'm not as fast. I'm not as quick. And I think a lot of athletes, when that happens, because it happens to all of us, like at some point it happens, people still, they don't want to give into it. They don't want to accept it. They don't want to embrace it. They don't want to adapt to that. So they just keep trying to play the same ways they always did. And then they end up looking like, you can kind of see it, you know, they're like, oh, they're in their old person years. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, they, they got old, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, because it's it's sad because it happens yeah. to all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's going to happen. It's like it happens to all of us. But I think a big key for me is um, I've been able to see those moments or those ways in which things have changed for me. And it comes with a little bit of a morning phase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I used to be my pull-up she jumper. She had a good run. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Going right with that pull-up. You used to be the shit now. Um, especially, yeah, with my pull-ups. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have like the pop, the one-two quickness. It's just yeah. not the same. And there was a huge morning phase for me where I was trying to force it a little bit. And I had to kind of like let go of that. And I'm trying, I'm actually like currently trying to like add something new to like maybe make up for that. We'll see if it works. Yeah. I'll let you know. Um, but that's like a big part. So you have to like, Accept that you're not the same. Allow yourself to go through the morning phase and then try to figure out another way. And just because it's not what you used to do doesn't mean it's worse. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like you hold on to parts of your game. I think we all feel like really proud of these different areas of our game that we like developed and worked on and like are ours, Mm -hmm. like signature stuff. Yeah. It's hard to let go. Yeah. You know, that makes me think of when I was watching some of your interviews. This was, I mean, 
an interview you did years ago and you're talking about when you started playing basketball and you knew, you know, you weren't going to be like the biggest, yeah. right? So you said you had to find other ways to win. Mm -hmm. But now you're still doing that same thing. Like you're having to find other ways to win and like still be Sue Bird. Maybe not the Sue that we saw, yeah. <laughs> you know, all those years ago, but it's still at its core, Sue, and how, yeah. how you're switching that up. So I think that's that's really interesting. Uh, the last one was from Donovan Mitchell. He just wanted to know. Greenwich, shout out. Yes. He just said, how do you keep the same mindset night in and night out? Whew. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I should be asking the NBA guys that with the 80 plus games they play. Games. That is just, I can only imagine that some nights you're kind of like, can't find it tonight. Yeah, yeah it's hard. Um, I sometimes trick myself. I, this sounds crazy. I can't believe I'm saying it out loud. I've only said it out loud like one another time. I will literally, so right now I have found crazy inspiration in my nieces. They're nine and seven. They're like, they're starting to understand what's happening like with me and basketball and like what's going on. They watched the UConn game last night. <laughs> they were very excited <laughs> wearing my jersey, which is hilarious. Um, and I'm sometimes when I'm not in the mood or I can't find it, I'm like, if they were in the building, like, what would you be like right now? Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes it is mind over matter. I think any of these guys will tell you that, especially in like situation, like a back to back. It's mind over matter. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like one team's going to let it get to them. The other team's not. And that's that's like the end. That's like how it's going to happen. So I just literally will find ways to like trick myself. And then what I find is like this like adrenaline rush that kind of gets me over the hump. And then once you like, really? yeah, once you kind of get over it, over that hump, it, it just kind of like you coast from there in a good way. So you're like, I know this sounds like Jedi mind trick. Were in here, this is what I would. This is what yeah. I like if they were watching me, like, yeah, how would I want to be right now? Like, what would I want them to see? I've done it with different people through the years. They're just, they're just right now number one on the list. Who's like the funniest person you've done it with? Um, funniest. Um, or most interesting. Yeah. Um, no, there's been moments where it's been like, nobody really like that interesting, to be honest. Yeah. Moments where it's like, maybe it's an Olympic gear. So maybe the, it's coming up. It's like, all right, if the committee was in here, like, what would you be doing if so-and-so were in here? Like, how yeah. would you be, you know? Because listen, we all have nights where you don't feel like it. Mm. We're not different from anybody else. But you have to find a way to get over that part. Which leads me to, okay, so. I sound crazy. No, you don't. I love it. I feel like we all kind of think like, well, we do. So I like yeah. make up snares in my head that I'm like yeah. conversations I'm never going to have. <laughs>
because the grind of the season, you can't really, you know, imitate that mm-hmm. in your off season. And that'll be the story of like where I am. So I think I'll know pretty quickly. So when you made that decision, you know, that you weren't going to retire and you said you went and you spoke to your physical trainer. Yeah. What was that conversation? So basically her name's Susan. She's amazing. And I was basically like, all right, Susan, <laughs> like be real with me. There's zero. I, I'm a person. I like to live in reality. Like do not sugarcoat. It, I, I don't work well with that. Right. Give it to me real. I was like, I feel like, you know, this isn't as strong as it could be. I feel like I can't, um, decelerate, like slow down in the ways that I need to, to play. Like I could feel getting, I feel like a lot of times you get a little like tippy toe because you can't like do do as fast. You're kind of like tippy toe, tippy toe around the place. I feel like I'm tippy toeing a little bit too much. Mm. So I just got like real nitty gritty. I was like, these are the things that I feel are, have taken a turn for the worse. Are they fixable? Like, is this, or, or is like, this is just what it is. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And she was like, they're fixable. And I was like, well, let's go then. And that's kind of been the whole like basis or foundation of my off season has been trying to, you know, for lack of a better fix or improve yeah. in these areas. Um, because those were the reasons I was also, there is the fatigue part, but like, I, that's what I was feeling. And mm-hmm. she was like, oh no, these are definitely fix- fixable. Yeah. Like we can make this work. Yeah. Like we can make this better. So the end, and I'm try- not trying to put words in your mouth, but it seems like the end would come when the things that are happening in your life cannot be fixed. Maybe, like if yeah. It's, if it's these physical things that are like, this is going to be a really hard grind. It's like, well, I don't know. Is if, it? But then that's also like, oh, what if they can always be fixed? How so much longer? That, and learn, that, yeah. <laughs> that is where the problem lies. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting here feeling so lucky. My teammate, Lauren Jackson, um, she retired in, well, what ended up being her last season was 2012. And... She's only a year older. Uh, she's a year younger than me. Sorry. Mm-hmm. She played much longer. Like in basketball years, she's like 100. Yeah. Because she like started when she was 15 professionally. Um, but one of the best players of all time mm-hmm. and had it taken away because of injury. Physically couldn't do it anymore. And I watched her go through that. And at her retirement ceremony, she came to Seattle. We spent some time together and listening to her talk about that and what that was. It was like, woof, man, to have it taken away when you're not ready um, so, I mean, so, so I'm sitting here very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where they're both true. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's hard is when you still physically can. And so now you have this other kind of decision. Mm-hmm. So what's worse having it taken away. I think that's worse. I, I shouldn't even phrase it that way. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is like no decision, right. but it's a bad, or you have to make the decision. It's on you. And that's yeah. how I feel now. So I'm lucky, but I know that's like part of the that's, that's where the answer is, and it's tough to get there. Yeah, like yeah. you're battling with the idea that what you have is choice. Yeah. So stopping is on you. Yeah. And continuing to go is on you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, which one, which one do I I don't pick? know. Maybe I'm, what I'm hoping is that maybe something outside of basketball starts speaking to me so much where it's like, okay, you don't need the game anymore. Yeah. You know, like there's other things. And like, I definitely feel that creeping into, like other things interest me. Well, because I was going to ask, is there any part of you that is scared that you almost like don't know who you are if you're not playing basketball? Yeah, identity? Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that whole saying like athletes die to deaths, right? The one where you actually die and mm-hmm. then the one where you retire. Yeah. Because it's like the death of a identity. Yeah, I mean, it plays a role. I think... What I've really tried to do since I stopped playing overseas, which was now like six, seven, eight years ago, um, I've really tried to like 
get out of my comfort zone, branch out, try things. Cause I don't want that to happen. I think it's going to happen regardless. I remember listening to D Wade talk about going to therapy, like yeah. started seeing a sports psychologist right here yeah. this year. I've only had one session, but we'll get to the second one soon. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Good. I love way. it. I'm on That's my way. important. Very important. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's a lot, you know, both this, this season, it's a lot to juggle and then the whole retirement part. So um, I know it's going to be hard regardless, but I've been trying to set myself up where I do have something to then kind of like segue into. Could we see Coach Sue? Uh, I don't know. Seems kind of hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It does. Seems sort of Seems hard. Seems kind of hard. <laughs> um, no, my answer is like, if it was just coaching, I would love to, but it's not. There's a lot that goes yeah. into that. A lot of politics, a lot of, I mean, we just had a whole thing about Coach Ryan and Candace Parker. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to be that person. <laughs> um, so yeah, but the actual coaching part, yeah, it definitely speaks to me. Yeah. But I feel like I just lived this life. Do I want to live it again? That's kind of, that's where I, that's where it loses me a little bit. Also, you know, new, new arena in Seattle. Oh, so good. So Are we nice. going to get a Seabird statue? <laughs> I don't know. I know. Leave that to the mayor. I know there's maybe some, <laughs> some mumblings, but are you, are you privy to if that's a thing that no, will I'm happen? I'm not privy. I don't want to be in that conversation. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 Taylor, no. I'm good. <laughs> okay, I think we get a, a C-word. I mean, I think we have to, right? I mean, I don't know how you can do this with, with that one. Yeah. She does want to say it, but I'll say I think that they're, they're totally, <laughs> uh, there should be a statue. I do want to go back to Lauren Jackson really quick. Sure. Because I know when you first got to Seattle, not friends. Nope. She did not like you. Did not like me. Did you like her? Yeah. Okay. But you understood she didn't like you. You were yeah. a new kid in town. Well, she didn't actually verbally say it till the next year. But like, I kind of caught the drift. Yeah. I was like, mm, you're not fucking with me. What the fuck? <laughs> but they- <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, you hate me. You're like, but that's you're not inviting me places. What is going? No, no, no. Yeah. Not oh, okay. I'm like, oh. But that was the vibe. The yeah. vibe was like me. But it's yeah. interesting because there it, it clicked automatically on the court. Yes, that part was no problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about how many people in all sports don't actually like each other. No, a lot. But they make it work. What is that like? So this is why athletes deserve, more than deserve, but deserve to speak on larger issues in our society. This is what we do. (laughs) We sit in rooms with people we might not like and we figure it the fuck out for the common good, for for everyone, for everyone to feel good about it. Yeah. To achieve, you know, obviously in my world, it's like to achieve the championship, but maybe it's to like achieve equality. <laughs> yeah. This is why. Totally. Because yeah. like, there's a lot of times where you don't like each other. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not saying sports is like, doesn't get messy. Of course, there are fights, both, you know, verbal and physical. I, and like, you know, those are blasted all over the media. It exists. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're kind of the jerk yeah. when you do that. You're the asshole in the room mm-hmm. when you're not putting the team first. And that is how we exist. Like that is how we all, that's how that ecosystem works in sports. And that is always my answer. Like that is why we get to speak on these things. Yeah. Plus we have microphones in our face. So. Like, are you going to ever like no, run, run for, for anything? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm ending that conversation Absolutely before you even not. ask me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but no. seriously, that's always my, totally. yeah. It's and it's like, true. It's so true. Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, though, sports kind of are like a microcosm of, of oh, society. Yeah. And, and there's a lot yeah, of people are like, oh, I don't see color. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah. But like, that's the thing about every locker room I'm in. It's like, that's the thing. You walk in, 
of course you see it. You have eyeballs, like you're seeing it, but you don't care. Or like you respect people, mm -hmm. you know, or you have tough conversations. Oh, there's been a lot of tough conversations yeah. in our locker rooms. Um, and it's like, but because you have a respect, you're able to have the, the tough conversation mm -hmm. and like, for lack of a better, like get to the bottom of it or figure it out or come to a good place or, you know, understand. Yeah. No, I love it. I'm it's into it. Thing. I, um, you know, so you probably don't remember this, but the first time I met you, it was at this like uninterrupted event that oh, we yeah, were remember. doing and we spoke. Of course. And I remember I came up to you, I was like, I'm such a huge fan. Can you take a picture? <laughs> like you are, even before like we were friends, I was like, this is one of my favorite sports people. It's like you, Candace Parker, and Diana Taurasi. I only met Diana Taurasi once actually at the dinner uh, Super Bowl week oh, in yeah. LA. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. Oh, you were there for like... Yeah, for like 10 seconds. Yeah. I had to go to a party. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> she did. <laughs> yes. I can... She did. I was ready. I'm she looking was ready. Good. She was looking good. You're looking uh, good. <laughs> but tell me a story about Diana Taurasi <laughs> that is like indicative of her, of her personality. Like you uh, tell someone this story about Diana, you're like, and that's how Diana Oh Taurasi my God, acts. I don't even know where to go with this. <laughs> um, oh my God. There's too many and uh, indicative of her personality. Um, I don't, I, there's like some that I can't say. That's what I'm struggling with. I'm, I basically just thought of 10 and like nine and a half of them I can't say. But to be fair though, that, that might actually be tells you what you need to know about a personality too. But like also if I did tell them, you'd be like, yep. Or like laugh or you would never, very rarely, I feel like only when she's maybe like arguing with refs, do you disagree with her? Or you're kind of like, <laughs> oh yeah, you didn't foul. Or yeah, you got fouled. Or, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, she, um, man, I'll get, let me, let, let, maybe okay, I'll, I'll come, yeah. I'll come back to, I'll come yeah, back yeah. to. Um, before we get to the fan question section of this, I cannot go through this interview without talking about a conversation that you and I had that always sticks with me. Um, something you've talked about a lot in this interview is Megan and just the impact obviously she has had on your life. Mm -hmm. If anybody wonders to themselves like, hmm, does Sue and Megan really act like what it seems like they do online? <laughs> the answer is yes. Like I have been around them so many times and the love that you guys have is just like so real and tangible and your best friends. It's mm -hmm. like you just know everything about each other. Like you just know each other like the, like the back of your hands. But we were talking and I said, you know, a lot of times when we're talking about relationships and love, we are asked like why we love that person. Mm -hmm. But we're very rarely asked why we think they love us. Yeah. So why like, do what you did think, I say? Yeah. <laughs> why do you think There's Megan loves reasons. you? I know. To remind me what I said though. You were talking was, about just like the, almost like the peace that you feel like you yeah, bring. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think what I have brought to Megan's life is like a sense of calm. And I think, um, and that goes both ways. Um, we often say that when we met, we like started talking and just never stopped. Like a conversation started and it never stopped. And I think in that conversation, if you remember, we started dating early, no, I'm sorry, late 2016, fall of 2016. She knelt like a week or two after we started talking. I don't remember the exact timelines. Yeah. She was also engaged. It was messy. Yeah. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. But it was at a time. 
skip, skip, skip. It was at a time <laughs> when, um, I say that with respect. Yes. It was at a time when um, she had a lot going on. <laughs> I yeah. mean, as you can imagine. And I think um, she was, the one of the byproducts of that moment was not being called into the national team camps. Mm-hmm. A lot of byproducts, but that was one of them. And there's this one moment where, that we joke about now, but it was like, she wrote this like, seething crazy email and she was about to send it to to the then coach and I was like well like maybe we need to just take a second and I think that Megan what makes Megan so wonderful and what makes Megan Megan is this like just like first of all supreme confidence totally never gets embarrassed Mm -hmm. it's impossible Mm -hmm. you can try she just does not get embarrassed yeah um um and and on top of that like I just lost my train of thought. On top of that, her, um, how do I want to word this? Like her, she follows her instincts, mm-hmm. right? And just boom, goes with it. Doesn't think about it, doesn't question it, just goes. I'm the exact opposite. I like stuff, oh my God, decision fatigue times a thousand. Yeah. I like cannot, I mean, I had to choose a flight to go to the final four and I was like, nine <laughs> o'clock or 11 o'clock, nine o'clock or 11 o'clock, nine o'clock or 11 o'clock. Like I couldn't yeah. choose. Um and I think that balance for us, like us together is perfect because mm-hmm. there's me who's going to like weigh it out, her who's just going to do it. And together we have found this like amazing balance. And I think with that, one of the things that comes from that is this like calm. Yeah. It's peaceful. And I think there's, there's many ways I can go in the calm, peaceful conversation. For some reason I chose that route. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's important because it just, it really like permeates from you two, just like how much you care about each other. It's just like such a healthy situation. Like meeting her, and if you think about any other relationships you've had in your life, like how has your understanding of love changed over time? Oh, good one. Yeah, I mean, so this is, I yeah, this is my longest relationship. Um, We basically started, she like moved in, I mean, classic classic lesbo behavior. (laughs) She moved in like immediately. Um, and we spend a lot of time together. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, we both have the same schedule. So yeah, we go work out for a couple hours a day and then the rest of the day we're together. You too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's been, um, I guess like my, not my, not definition of love. What were you saying? How is your understanding Understanding of it? it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's that it hasn't changed much, but she's definitely taught me a lot. Um, I think I, I was very independent because I had to be. I was living overseas by myself. You just find ways to like find comfort in not even, this is speaking for myself specific, not even like in myself, just like I'm comfortable when I'm like the kitchen looks like this or when my towels are over here, you know, like when this is happening there. And Megan came in the house and was like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> and that like got me out of my comfort zone. But I understood that like, it's good to have somebody challenge you in those ways. Totally. It, yeah. You find out things about yourself that this life isn't just about, this life I'm sharing with Megan isn't just about me. It can't just be about me, right? I have to, it wasn't that I'm like, don't think of her in, in decisions or anything like that, but it was like, I have to have, even like a larger capacity for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the best part is I lo- like to me, what's so amazing about our relationship is that we have somebody to go home to and like talk about some of these 
tougher issues and like game them out, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like talk, talk, back and forth, share feelings, get to the, like, and you really get to discover how you feel and to like trust somebody in that way. Like that's a different understanding of love. Like yeah. that trust. And that's just one example. Like there's obviously tons of examples that I give you within the trust part of it. But like mm -hmm. that trust, that to me is like this whole other level of love that I don't know that I ever experienced. Yeah. And like the the trust between you two, the, the comfort between you two, I think what really sticks out to me is just that you both clearly feel like you can be exactly who you are yes. with each other. And I know in the, like the article that you did with GQ and you talk about how, you know, you hadn't like publicly come out mm -hmm. and you were dating her. And, but I guess like, does love make you feel free or did this like journey to freedom that you were on lead you to love? Hmm. Good question. Um, I think what, I think meeting Megan, starting to date Megan, falling in love with Megan, um, and this is like specifically to Megan, like who Megan is and what she has pulled out of me, that has, the freedom like lies there. Like she allows me to, I mean, the ways in which she like hypes me up is wild. Sometimes she, I'm like, yeah. I'm we like, are all, we have a group stop chat. It. In the group chat I know, is all Megan hyping, hyping up. up I can't. And it's like my worst <laughs> night. I'm like, I can't. But like that, I get that every day. It's great. You know, um, yeah. I'm not always comfortable in it. I'm working on that. <laughs> but um, she like really sees that in me and believes that in me. And so that seeing myself through her eyes has like opened up all these other doors for me. Yeah. And I know that's like talking about myself in this, in the relationship is kind of, but like, that's also, that's like this other, that's been the freeing part for me. Yeah. So I don't know. And it's not just because she thinks I'm amazing. Oh, it's great when somebody thinks you're amazing. It's not that. She's like, it's not just, oh, I feel good because somebody thinks that way about me. It's like, it's actually opened my eyes to things. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I think as an older athlete, um, as an older woman, a female athlete, I have like PTSD in a lot of ways, just from like the ways we've been treated. It does, it's, it's weird. It plays out and it shows up in all these different ways at different times. And Megan will be like, oh, that's your PTSD. And mm. I'm like, oh. But anyways, some of that PTSD was like, I, I kind of like digested it in a way where it was affecting how I viewed myself. And so she's really like helped rewrite that for me. So that's like yeah. very freeing. Like she, she has helped you see yourself the way she sees you. Yeah. Which I think is like probably the most beautiful marker yeah. of love. So. And it's become where I'm actually seeing myself that way, like separate from her. Yeah. Not even through her eyes, through my own eyes, but like, it's like open them to these things. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Well, like I said, literally, if you're around them, you think, how are these two ever not together? <laughs> how did their lives ever not have both of the minutes? So, I mean, y'all are just, y'all are the best. Uh, we have fan questions. A bunch. Most, right now, everyone's asking, how can they get into your group chat? <laughs> I mean, I feel like Sean Feeney is like head of the group chat. Oh, yeah. Uh, but no, our group chats, they're very good. They're, they're good. very funny. Our they're dinners good. are probably better than the, the, dinners than are better. the group chats. But uh, Epic dinners. We'll talk. Give us their contact. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> okay, a lot of questions about your shoes. What are your, what's in your rotation right now? Favorite shoes growing up? Ooh. Ideal basketball shoes as a kid. <clears throat> Here. Oh, let me repeat it. Yeah. So they can, um, just ideal basketball shoes growing up. Talk about your sneaker collection. All the things. All the things. Yeah. Um, my favorite basketball shoes growing up were the up tempos. Really every model, but the OG model is like my favorite. Um, they actually came like re-released those maybe like 
couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, swooped them up, went to play in them. Oh my God. My, <laughs> I took them off 15 minutes max. I was like, this Nike technology is legit. Oh yeah. Because these are trash. They're from like 95. So it's like, these are so trash. So now it just shows you how. Yeah. So when they talk about, you know, wires and hyperwares and things like it works. Yeah. It works. Okay. Um, and right now, like I, uh, nothing. I feel like the Sakai's. Yeah. The vapor waffles and the, they're like undefeated. Okay. And I know like for your basketball shoes, you like only wear Kyrie's, right? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. that's your go-to. Kyrie's my guy. That's yeah. my go-to shoe. And he like yep. takes care of you with the shoes. Oh, yeah. Keeps okay. you fresh. Those yeah. Shoes. Keeps you fresh. <laughs> Can you talk about your involvement in Trans Week of Visibility and Action and the hoodie collab? A lot of people are excited about getting the hoodies. And- Can you talk about your involvement in Trans Day of Visibility and Action? So Megan and I have partnered with Uninterrupted. We've done a hoodie before. It's called Love Is, is kind of how we um, reference it. We've done hoodies before. Now, the beauty of this project is it's actually the first step in this huge collaboration where it's going to be hopefully year-round. So, you know, you hear about Pride Month. Now we're trying to make it like Pride every day, all day, all year. And again, this is the first step. And the trans community is being attacked right now in in awful ways. A lot of them in you know political ways, like um, legislation and different bills. And they're basically, in my mind, in our opinions, or not opinions, in our what we think is fact, they're using elite athletes to as a vehicle to scare people, to create this like fear mongering, to then get these bills passed that help hold kids out of sports, which is really just hurting little kids' lives. And so this is our way of bringing visibility to it. And I think the best way to say it is we all know a gay person. I feel like everyone can be like, oh, yeah, I know this gay person. Or you see a gay person on TV. And I feel like everyone would say, of course, gay people should have a chance at at a healthy life. Sidebar, before I continue, part of the whole like attack on trans people in sports, that's not what this is about. This is about bathrooms and healthcare. That's the next step to this. Mm-hmm. So what you might think is just, oh, keep them out of sports. No, it, this is this is to like directly hurt them in ways that affect their their lives, their mental health. So with that in mind, everybody would agree gay people deserve all the same things, all equality. And so what politicians and different people are able to do is tap into the fact that a lot of people either don't know a trans person or are unaware of knowing a trans person. So then they're able to create that fear in the unknown. And so what this what this hoodie is doing is bringing out awareness, bringing that visibility. And that is the goal. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like what you're talking about in terms of seeing it. Yes. Like feeling like there is a relatability there and like, oh, like this is, I understand. So, right. No, I think that's that's super important. Okay. And the hoodies. How do they get the hoodies, I guess? That's yeah. The <laughs> um, they come out. I'm like, I should know this. It's in my calendar. <laughs> I think they come out either tomorrow or the next day. Soon. Um, you soon. can get the hoodies soon. You can soon. Yeah. And like, I forget the percentage, like 10% or so goes to different charities. Yeah. yeah. So okay. that's the vibe. Any more? Okay. We have a show on VR called The Portal, what puts veteran players up against current players oh. in a fake world. Who would you want to go up against in The Portal? Who uh, what players? Who would you um, want to play in The Portal? So I never got to play against Cheryl Miller. And I feel like. I shouldn't even say, I think I'd like to play with her. <laughs> I'm like, I already know what happens if I played against her. Um, Cheryl Miller. Okay. Yeah. I never even, you know, it's like, you know, I never even got to see her play, period. Yeah. Yeah. Just you like know, grainy footage every now and then. As we're talking, I had asked Clay, like, oh, if you had a question. Yeah. He goes, I absolutely have a question. I love Sue. <laughs> I love Clay. I said, okay, what's the question? <laughs> like, I'm with her That's now and you're out of time. I love yeah. you too. 
Yeah. I love Clay. Yeah, well, you're, Clay is you're so too late. I love Clay. Clay's the best. Uh, he has a very so... funny, like dry humor love personality. Clay. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's the homie. Any more okay. questions? Yeah, this one's really important. Whataburger, In-N-Out, <laughs> or Shake Shack? in and out or Shake Shack? Is this like bench, start, trade? Um, <laughs> I've never had Whataburger, so that's out. Um, man, tough. I think I'm going to go Shake Shack. Oh, okay. But that's not a knock on in and out. You know what is underrated at Shake Shack is that chicken shack. Oh, I never had that. They I just like the chicken. They sauce. have a chicken, a chicken sandwich, sandwich and it's, it's the sauce so for good. Me. It's the sauce. It kind of has the sauce on it. Though. Okay. It's good. It's good. I'll yeah, and then a little a little hack is going there breakfast time and getting just like the egg and cheese biscuit, but asking them to put chicken on On it. top of it? A little oh, chicken biscuit like for breakfast. JFK Terminal 4 situation? Yes, literally that one <laughs> right across from the gate, 100%. I get it all the time from there when I have to like fly to LA early in the morning uh, and I need some breakfast. We all know Terminal 4. Yes. Uh, Clay put his question in. Okay. We, I know we're doing fan questions. We have a question from Clay Thompson. As an ocean enthusiast... Where is the best spot for seafood in the 206? Oh. <laughs> you want to give yours a shout? Rock Creek. <laughs> shout out Rock Creek. Went there last night. It was very good. Go get that muscles bruschetta. Thank you very much. I what would say, you? if you want, I would say, mm, this is tough. Because you can go like classic, like, you know, oysters, crab, that kind of a vibe. There's a bunch of places like that. But there's this one place called Walrus and the Carpenter. If you like oysters, Clay, this is the spot. Um, and they do a bunch of other, other like fun dishes. They actually have a fried oyster that's bomb, a bunch of other Ooh. seafood dishes. They have other things besides seafood, but oysters and kind of like a quintessential Seattle kind of like chill vibe, Walrus and the Carpenter. Okay. I love that. And he has a second question that I'm not oh. going to ask because you addressed it. He <laughs> okay. said, how is she able to play decades at such a high level, surviving the wear and tear of season after season? But the reason I'm telling you is I think it, it really speaks to what everybody sees in you, yeah. which is that she's still doing this mm -hmm. and it's still working and she's still like one of the greatest. And I just want to take a minute for that like gravity to like really sit in. Because something I always think about is this interview that um, Denzel Washington did and someone asked him, what are you most proud of in your career? And he said, the career. Yeah. Like I'm proud of the longevity and the things that I was able to do within it. Mm -hmm. And I have seen so many interviews where you're talking about like, I feel like I have something to prove. Like even now I'm like wanting to prove things. So with this existing, this like great longevity that you've had, the respect mm -hmm. that you have amongst your peers, what more could you possibly have to prove? Yeah. Um, so there's, I feel like there's always in the back of my head, this like, proving that this isn't a fluke, right? Like proving that, you know, there's a reason or proving. But I have to be honest, I think it's like starting to shift, which is probably also like, whoop, time to retire. But it is starting to shift a little in that. And this is when I usually quote um, or use one of Kobe's quotes, which was talking about legacy and speaking about how, I don't remember the exact quote, but he was basically saying, there's going to be another MVP. There's going to be, an so for me, it's like, someone's going to break my assist record. There's going to come a point guard that wins more championships and does more things. Like, it's just, this is what it is. This is sports. It's evolution. That's cool. So what is legacy really? Like, what else do I have to prove really? And we touched, we talked about it earlier when you're saying like, is there the guilt that comes in? And I think that's kind of where my legacy lives now. Like, what can I do both from a bass, like specifically a WNBA basketball standpoint to like, make sure this league is like in a good place. And it's, you know, not just surviving, but like killing it. Like, what can I do? And I feel like 
I can share my experience and I can speak up. Another part of it is like, how can I create more, help create more opportunities? And so it's like with that guilt, I just know at the same time, I can kind of like push that to the side because I know when I am in these rooms, I can guarantee you and I can promise, I guess is a better way of saying it, that I, I am making sure it's not just me getting this, right? Like I'm mm -hmm. trying to like actively, when I'm in these rooms, use my voice to make sure more opportunities are created. So even though it might feel, you know, like one person, one athlete is getting that, it's like, that's where I feel like I know I can, I can really help create difference. And that is legacy, right? That is what my career will also have connected to it. That's so powerful. I love that. Any more fan questions? Uh, who do you think is going to go first in the draft? Ooh. Oh, who do you think is going to go first in the draft was the question. So DC has the pick. Mike Tebow is like a, a made, like chef's kiss drafter. So whoever does go, you already know he did his homework. I'm, I might say, uh, I think they kind of need Nalissa. It's really between Nalissa Smith and Ryan Howard. I think they might need Smith a little more because they kind of are set in their guards. But I'm telling you, if he picks Ryan Howard, he sees something. Yeah. Yep. He's like I, a he's an excellent drafter. Excellent. I have a question. I mean, I guess I've had questions this whole time. <laughs> it's my show. Um, but it's like you can do that. <laughs> yeah. But you have not won a championship in an odd year. I know. It's 2022. What we think? What we feel about this year? We've got an even one. The the cards are on your yeah. side. They are. They are. I feel. I mean, poof, I feel okay. Mm -hmm. I never feel good. So it's like any year we've won, I've never felt good. So maybe it's a good thing I don't feel good. But we have like essentially same people back, like core group. Some some pieces have changed, which is always sad to see people go that you've spent mm -hmm. time with. Um, but we added a lot of new players with a lot of talent. So I'm excited. Okay. I'm excited. I'm going to really come excited. back oh, you're definitely coming to, to Seattle. We're going to get the whole group chat to come oh, to Seattle. 100%. For the game, but also for Rock Creek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also to try that uh, muscles bruschetta that was amazing. <laughs> I'm like, can I get like a rock creek it is, sponsorship? Rock creek is good. It was. It's good. So good. It's and good. those beignets, you oh. know, the beignets were bomb. But there's like a lot of places here you can get beignets. But I'm going yeah. on to total tangent. You are fantastic. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I know we've been talking about. Okay, when are you gonna come on? You made it work. I'm so yes, happy. Yes, no, I'm glad it worked out too. Everything that you say, I just feel like I, I soak in and people can learn so many things from you and your experience and just everything else left that you have to give. So I appreciate yeah. your time. And I wore sneakers just for you. I saw that. Yeah. I'm hyped. <laughs>